Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Thursday. This is Seattle Now. Seattle Parks and Recreation wants to build a children's play area in Denny Blaine Park, which is also home to a popular nude beach full of history for Seattle's LGBTQ community. The city says it's to address a lack of playgrounds in the area, but Seattle's queer community is mobilizing to protect one of its most historic spaces. Stranger queer culture and politics reporter Vivian McCall is here to tell us all about it. But first, let's get you caught up. The Seattle Department of Transportation released early designs yesterday for a project to complete the missing link of the Burke Gilman Trail. The debate on how to close the loop has been decades long. Seattle City Councilman Dan Strauss requested the city prioritize finishing the trail earlier this year. The 1.4-mile missing section would be built along Leary Ave Northwest and Northwest Market Street, as opposed to the city's previous plan to build on Shilshol. SDOT is looking for feedback on the design plan, so you know the drill. There's a link in the show notes if you've got something to say. Seattle-based Rover has agreed to be acquired by private equity firm Blackstone. The company, which connects pet owners with pet sitters, was founded in 2011. The all-cash deal is valued at more than $2 billion and is expected to finalize in 2024. New York-based Blackstone's portfolio includes Bumble, Ancestry.com, and Spanx. And Amtrak plans to add two more daily trips between Seattle and Portland. Starting December 11th, riders can choose from seven departure times. Amtrak says the additional trains will significantly increase capacity on the busy line. Starting December 11th, the earliest train going south from Seattle will leave at 5.52. The latest trip north will depart Portland at 7.25 p.m. Just enough time to grab dinner before you head back. Denny Blaine Park is nestled on the shores of Lake Washington in Seattle's Madrona neighborhood. It's a pretty bare bones affair, a small parking loop, lots of leafy trees and a rocky beach along the shore. But if you show up on a sunny Saturday afternoon, you'll find the beach packed with Seattle residents in the nude. They're hanging out, they're laying on the grass, they're swimming, they're talking in groups, they're listening to music. It's exactly like every other beach. It's just the majority of the people there are gay and they're probably not wearing clothes. Stranger reporter Vivian McCall says the beach has a long history as a center for Seattle's queer community. It's been an important gathering space since at least the 1980s. Denny Blaine used to be kind of known as the lesbian beach, but these days it attracts queer people of all kinds, as well as non-queer nudists and naturalists. It is legal to be naked anywhere in Seattle, thanks to a court ruling in 1990. Sure, the annual nude bike ride at the Fremont Solstice Parade is one example, but spaces like Denny Blaine are particularly meaningful to people in the queer community. It's a place where particularly trans people say they feel that everyone around them is not seeing their body as abnormal. One person I talked to said that it was kind of like peering into an alternate reality where like their existence was more normal, which is an incredibly valuable thing. As much as the law protects Seattleites who want to shed their clothes, there are limits. Exposing yourself in an alarming or sexual way is illegal. And the crime is even more severe if the victim is under 14 years old. That's why a lot of people in Seattle's queer community were shocked to learn that Seattle Parks and Recreation may add a children's play area to Denny Blaine Park. A petition opposing the move has gathered 5,000 signatures since it was announced. 
Vivian McCall is here to tell us more about the plans and the effort to preserve one of Seattle's historically queer spaces. Vivian, really glad you're here. Thanks so much for your coverage on this. Yeah, thanks for having me. So Seattle Parks has flagged Denny Blaine Park as this place for a new playground. How did they make this decision? Why here? That is really the question. So the Parks Department kind of calls this a small nature play design, which to be honest with you, I'm not totally sure what that means. And they haven't (laughs) told me because they didn't grant me an interview. But they say it's going to address that shortage of neighborhood playgrounds within a 10 to 15 minute walking distance. And the question that the people behind this petition are asking is why Denny Blaine when there are other nearby parks? You know, they identified a few, maybe some are more practical than others, but kind of the answer to why it's going to be this park is that the $550,000 project is mostly privately funded. That does raise some questions as displacing a children's park right next to a bunch of naked queer people. Yeah, you know, it's funny because money is a big motivator here. Obviously, the city could get some help with this project. But a point that quite a few people have made now is that putting this park in Denny Blaine could play off a popular right-wing talking point about queer people. Right. So if you've been paying attention to the news, you probably know that many of the more than 500 anti-queer and anti-trans bills introduced in the U.S. this year are kind of predicated on this homophobic conspiracy theory that gay and trans people are groomers and that gay books and music and performance and kind of just whatever is this ruse to sexualize children and make them queer. That is obviously ridiculous. You hear this concept lobbed at drag queens, it's used in book bands, and it just comes up a lot. And when you think about that context, putting a children's park at a gay nude beach seems pretty pointed to people. And like, you know, I I wonder if you can kind of imagine the right wing headline of like Seattle out of control, groomer beach, like no queer person wants to be a part of that. And the queer people that I talked to over the story told me they'd be kind of wary about being nude anywhere near a children's play area, because like one, it's that's not really unencumbering. It could be potentially really awkward. And also they worry about perpetuating that stereotype and that conspiracy or even catching a charge of indecent exposure if the wrong person came along. It's certainly mobilizing a lot of Seattle's queer community. You spoke to people hitting the streets trying to stop that playground from being built. I'm imagining they're making some of the same arguments that we just talked about, but what are they doing out there? How are they talking with people? Well, I know that what they're hearing back from people is that they're not hearing much support for this idea. One put it in a way that I really like is that It's kind of like building a skate park in the middle of a kitchen. It just doesn't really seem to make sense to people. And people are not really like wild. Like people who like this beach are not wild about Denny Blaine because it's the best beach in the world. Like it's small, it's crowded, there's no parking. Like it's pretty rocky when you step into the water. But if you talk to people who love this place, they're all going to tell you kind of the same thing. And it's that it's one of the few remaining authentically queer spaces in Seattle. It's free. Nobody's trying to sell you anything. Uh, It's also this social hub. Everyone I talked to said that Denny Blaine was their summer hangout. They see old friends there. They make new friends there. And if Denny Blaine were to go away, that would really, really change their social lives. And one person actually told me that they couldn't reiterate enough times how much it felt like their entire summer would be taken away from them without Denny Blaine, which I think is a really powerful thing. You know, people 
do not feel like casual about the speech. There's a lot of deep love and, and passion for what this brings to their lives. Well, and it speaks to a historically marginalized community of people who feel safe in this place. Absolutely. Yeah. And like queer beaches, you know, across the country, they're often kind of like this. They're not the biggest beaches. They're often kind of small. Like maybe they're kind of like what you would see as like an undesirable beach as compared to other beaches because it was something that they could really like take for themselves. That's how these things take hold. And that's why people have such affection for them. And because it's this continuum and this connection with the past and the people who had fought for their rights in the past, it's a super important thing. It's a really important thing to the community. What has Seattle Park said about this proposal and the subsequent backlash? So not a ton. Uh, They didn't grant me an interview, but they said that the project was still in the earliest stages. And if built, it would come at a minimal cost to taxpayers thanks to that donation. One thing that's sticking out here is this mystery donor, this bankroller who's contributing a significant sum to this. You tried to find out the identity of this person or maybe group. You have not been successful. What do you know about why this person is so dedicated to this project? Not a lot. And, you know, Park says the donor would like to remain anonymous, but we're, we're going to see about that. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any idea why this person might be motivated to do this? Because it would be easy, Vivian, to assume that this is some anti-LGBTQ conservative person. But could there be other reasons for this? Basically, the way that people feel and the way a lot of people are reading this situation is that if the person is not directly motivated by some kind of personal bias, they could be sort of wielding the political moment as a tool to sort of get people off their lawn. Like in the past, neighbors have complained, like, this is a popular beach. You know, this is a rich neighborhood. It's not inconceivable that someone may be using this as an excuse to just get people from the beach, put something that would be such a hindrance to it continuing as it is, that it would sort of just evaporate as if it were kind of some kind of clever solution. I don't really know that. Like, I can only speculate. That said, like, I also don't want to give the impression that everyone in the neighborhood just feels that way. There is obviously a variation of opinions on this, but that is something that people think might be at play here. Is there any public process associated with this? There sure is. Yeah. This is not something that like the parks department can just do unilaterally. Like this is not going to happen without some kind of city council approval. So we're not, this is not an imminent thing, but the reason that people are so upset is that there are not a lot of places where it is comfortable for visibly queer people to go and not feel like they're on display or be harassed. And even the thought of that going away would so change their kind of experience that it's something that they wanted to fight right away. Yeah, certainly citing it in this particular location does a lot more consequentially than citing it in other locations. Absolutely. And, you know, I also want to make clear that the organizers behind this petition, they are not against building playgrounds. You know, they have suggested other places where playgrounds can be. So I'm wondering if there is going to be some possible resolution here where the community gets an additional playground, which is really good for everybody, and the beach remains the same, which seems like it would also be really good for people. Yeah. 
Like you mentioned, this playground wouldn't even theoretically get built until late next year. There's a public meeting coming up. When is that? What can we expect at that meeting? So I'm not exactly sure what we can expect at that meeting, but I do expect a lot of people to be there and people to be pretty fired up about it. I, on reporting, like on this beat for you know, a few years off and on and in my current job, I've, I've never seen people so instantly angry about something. So I, I'm really expecting a lot of attention here. It's going to be on December 6th at the Martin Luther King Fame Community Center at 5.30 p.m. All right. Well, we will keep following this, as I know you will. Vivian McCall is the Stranger's Queer Culture and Politics reporter. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Vivian. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Seattle Now. Today's episode was produced by Vaughn Jones. Our production team also includes Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, Claire McGrain, and Jenny Cecil Moore. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you tomorrow.